Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. The financial aspect of our covenant as we have an opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. So let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis, the 14th chapter. I want to highlight a very, very significant event in the Old Testament period. However, even though it's under the Old Testament um, period of the Bible, it's pre-Mosaic covenant. It's actually focusing on a covenant that is still in effect today. And when we're talking about covenant, we need to understand a lot of Christians don't understand. They just think that, you know, they believed in Jesus. They are now a Christian. But there's such a lack of understanding of covenant. We've lost the understanding of covenant. And it's very important for me to make sure that we as Christians understand what a covenant is. The concept of covenant. Amen. Let's go to Genesis, the 14th chapter. Let's look at verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem brought out bread and wine as you can see right off the bat bread and wine represents the table of the Lord this is the first time we actually see this in the Bible and it's very important that every time you see the first when you see something for the first time in the Bible you need to pay attention amen so we see this table bread and wine he was the priest of God Most High. Again, the first time we see the word priest. Priest of God Most High. So this is a very significant event because there are a lot of firsts that are happening. We see this Bible character called Melchizedek, who is king of Salem. Melchizedek, it's actually a title because Melchizedek means king of righteousness. All right? And then king of Salem which of course is significant of Jerusalem. He was the king of Jerusalem. So these are actually types and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So Melchizedek actually is a type of Christ. And we see Christ here in a very special role. We see him as the priest of most high, the God most high. And as he sets before him, this table of bread and wine and he comes and he does something he pronounces a blessing over Abram he says blessed be Abram of God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand if you were to read before you find that the enemies had come and taken everything and Abram goes after them with the servants of his household and he strikes down the enemies and he gets a great victory and then he takes the spoils he comes back with the spoils and the Lord gives him this great victory and then right after this Melchizedek shows up on the scene letting Abram know that it was the Lord who gave him this great victory Amen. so here is this covenant table of bread and wine and here's the priest Melchizedek king of righteousness king of Jerusalem or Salem, which is peace, shalom. So prince of peace, king of righteousness, 
These are all types of Christ. Pronounces a blessing over Abram, letting him know that he has been blessed by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And so in, in this priestly role, you see a priest is a go-in-between, a mediator of a covenant. And here Melchizedek comes as the mediator of this covenant of blessing because he blesses him. So this is a covenant of blessing, covenant of victory. Amplifies as blessed, favored with blessings, made blissful and joyful. Hallelujah. I like that one. Be Abram by God most high, possessor and maker of heaven and earth. And blessed, praise, and glorified be God most high, who has given your foes into your hand. And Abram gave him a tithe of all, or one-tenth of all he had taken. So one-tenth. And again, the first time we see the word tithe, Abram gives one-tenth or a tithe of all that had come in back to the priest. And of course, that's his response to the blessing. God is the one who always initiates the blessing because he is the possessor of the blessing. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He is the source of the blessing. All blessings come from him. Amen. But we can't just receive the blessing and do nothing about it because that would be very dishonorable. As God honors us with his blessing, we need to honor him back by our worship by our thanksgiving. And again, Abram's response is to give one-tenth of all to the priest, Melchizedek, or actually Christ himself. Verse 21, now king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, what does that mean to I have raised my hand? Why do we raise our hands? To take an oath, right? I've, I've raised my hand and that really is about taking an oath. I have raised my hand to the Lord. You know, I've made a covenant with the Lord. I've made a covenant with the Lord. He is the one who blessed me. He is my source of victory and provision and all that I have comes from him. I have raised my hand to the Lord. I've taken an oath. I've made a vow, I've made a covenant, amen, with the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap that is yours. And I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. At this point, Abram understands because of this covenant of blessing, he's going to be made rich. Right? It's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. So now he's in covenant with God. Everyone say covenant. This is very important to understand. Covenant is a transaction between two parties. But this is an unequal covenant because you can have an equal covenant. This is an unequal covenant because God is the higher authority. He's the one who initiates the covenant. He is the source of the blessing. And Abram just receives the blessing, but he doesn't just receive the blessing and sit on his blessed assurance saying, oh, look at this. I've received all this blessing. Now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do anything with it. He receives the blessing and he honors God by giving a tithe or one-tenth all, all, of all of his income. So that's where the whole tithe, the principle of the tithe comes 
from, and this, is, this predates the Mosaic Covenant because there's an erroneous teaching that's going around right now saying that since we're no longer under the law, we're under grace, we don't need to be tithing, we don't need to be giving one-tenth, which is an erroneous teaching. Amen. It's a false teaching. It comes from the pit of hell to rob believers of the blessing of God. Because if we've been blessed, we need to honor the Lord. Amen. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our income and all of our increase so that our storage places will be filled with plenty and our vats overflow with new wine. That's Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. So it's really to honor the Lord. Why do we give to honor the Lord? We don't just necessarily, we don't give to just to pay bills or take care of the needs of the church. Ultimately that happens, but we give first and foremost as a part of our covenant transaction. Amen. It's a covenant. So I have... I will not take anything, says I've made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Anar, Eshkol, and Mamre, and let them take their portion. Obviously, because they were part of Abram's, you know, group, they're going to get blessed. Amen. You get blessed by association. Hallelujah. So they helped them in the victory, so they're going to get a portion of the blessing. So you're helping us here with the victory. You're part of the victory because... Not only do you have a covenant with God, you have a covenant with a local church, you have a covenant with other believers. See, this is a covenant relationship. Everything in the kingdom of God operates based on covenant. And the reason I believe a lot of Christians don't live right is because they don't understand covenant. So we need to understand covenant. Just like marriage is a covenant. You can go and sign a, you know, sign a piece of paper, but it's a covenant relationship. It's more than just a wedding license. It's a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. So when we understand covenant, we can truly operate in honor. We can truly operate in the blessing because for us to truly operate in the fullness of God's blessing, we have to have a revelation of covenant. Hallelujah. That's why it's called the new covenant. New Testament means new covenant. Hallelujah. So we are now new covenant believers. As a Christian, born again Christian, blood bought, blood washed, filled with the Holy Ghost. We are in covenant with the Lord, possessor of heaven and earth, God most high, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want to show you something in the book of Hebrews. By the way, before we go there real quick, notice the king of Sodom. What does the king of Sodom represent? He represents the world. So here's Melchizedek, a king of righteousness. And then here's another king, king of Sodom. Sodom is known to be wickedness. Sodom is synonymous with wickedness, filth, wickedness, immorality. That's the world. So if you don't honor your covenant with the Lord, guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up honoring your covenant with the world. Remember, God brought Israel out of Egypt with the silver and the gold. And instead of using the silver and the gold like to build God's tabernacle as was the purpose they built a golden calf so if you don't give to the things of God you're going to end up giving to the golden calf hallelujah now God doesn't take anything from you you have to willingly give but the devil will take it the devil will never ask permission he'll come in like a bully he'll come in like a thug he'll come in like a thief and he'll take it the thief comes 
to take, to kill, steal, and destroy. He'll come and take. So when you honor your covenant with the Lord, you come under divine protection because Malachi 3 says that God will rebuke the devourer for your sakes when you bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So you come under divine protection. Hallelujah. God will be your bodyguard against the, th the thief, the thug. Hallelujah. So God will never take from you. You can see he initiates the covenant by coming, bringing this blessing, pronouncing this blessing over Abram, sets the table, the bread and the wine, which is a type of the covenant, the two elements of the covenant table, the Lord's table. And then he speaks a blessing over him. And then, of course, Abram willingly gives a tithe. And the Lord actually never asked him. He never said, give me a tithe. It was Abram's willing response to tithe. So I guess he can, you can say that he set a precedent. He set an example for us on how to honor the covenant. And the Abrahamic covenant is still in effect today. Because the Abrahamic covenant still covers the New Testament, New Covenant. It predates the Mosaic covenant, which is done away with because it was fulfilled in Christ. Amen. But it doesn't mean the tithe is done away with because the tithe is a part of the Abrahamic covenant, which is still in effect today. So I'm not looking to get out of anything. Just like I'm not looking to get out of my marriage. My marriage covenant, just because whatever, I don't feel like it. I'm also not looking to get out of any covenant responsibilities that I have with the Lord himself. I have a covenant with him and I'm going to, I'm determined to honor my covenant with the Lord. And there is a warning in the Bible in the last days, Paul says people will be covenant breakers. And that's the attitude of the world system. That spirit of lawlessness that has come in the spirit of independence and lawlessness and anarchy and where that spirit does not want you to submit to God or to authority or to the Word of God. We, we can see open rebellion against God's Word in the world system. That's how Sodom operates. We are not going to take not even one shoelace, amen, not even one penny from the world. Because the world will also offer you great riches. But it will only be material, which won't last. It's deceptive. So we are, we're going to honor our covenant with the Lord. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Because I want to show you from the book of Hebrews. Now Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. Jews who had believed in Christ and received a new birth under the new covenant. And the book was written to help them transition out of a mindset of the law, Mosaic law, from the old covenant into the new covenant. So watch this now, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, which we just read, right? King of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abram or Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth portion of all the spoil. So one, one tenth. 10% or tithe. That's what the word tithe means. One-tenth. First being translated king of righteousness. And then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy. So we know that this is not a regular person. 
He just shows up on the scene, has no father, has no mother. So where did he come from? He came straight from heaven as a priest of Most High. So it's actually the word. You, have, you see, this is what people need. The word always existed from eternity to past. Jesus didn't just come to being when he was born of a virgin. Jesus was always in heaven as the word. In, in the Son of God, the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It was when he was born of a virgin that he took on another title. Yeshua. Jesus. The Lord. Whose salvation. Because he was born on a, he was sent on a mission, on an assignment. He was born of a virgin, right? To save people from their sins. To save the world. So Jesus is when he was born of a virgin. And he took on a special title because he had a mission. And here's Melchizedek is on a special mission also. A mission of administering a covenant of blessing. So this is Christ appearing to Abraham, this is Jesus, this is the word appearing to Abraham to speak the word over him. He spoke a word, and when God speaks a word, it establishes a covenant. And every word that God speaks always requires a response. Because it requires us to receive it by faith, believe it, right? Stand on it, act upon it, right? So he comes, blessed be Abram, right? Blessed be God. Most high possessor of heaven and earth. So here is the word, the son, appearing as Melchizedek. That's what this is telling us. All right? King of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither the beginning of days nor the end of life. So we're talking about an eternal being here. We're not talking about a, a human personality. We're talking about an eternal being. But made like the son of God. There you go right there. Melchizedek. Son of God. Remains priest continually. So he's an eternal priest. Again, what is a priest? A mediator. Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Which is a better covenant. Higher covenant. Built on better promises. So priesthood represents mediation he's the mediator of a covenant is this okay i'll teach you some things today all right now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch abraham gave a tenth of the spoils and indeed those who are of the sons of levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law so the levitical priesthood was established under the mosaic law that's why it's no longer in existence today. We don't need Levitical priests Amen. as go-in-betweens, as mediators. But under the Mosaic law, that responsibility of priesthood was put on the Levites who received tithes from the people. But they received tithes from the people on behalf of God, possessor of heaven and earth, God most high. That's what we're hearing here. They have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them. In other words, he's not one of the sons of 
Levi. Who is that? That's Jesus. Is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham, and blessed him who had the promises or who had the covenant. Covenant promises. So Melchizedek is the one who blessed Abraham. And he predates Levi. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better or the greater. So, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, is the one who blesses. The greater one blesses the lesser one. Amen. So, we are all today the lesser in this room. And then we've been blessed by the greater God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Amen. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Amen. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi who receives tithes, pay tithes through Abraham, so to speak. So just like... Me as a pastor, you know, okay, well now we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. I tithe myself. Do you understand me? I'm not exempt from tithing because I'm in the ministry. Because it has nothing to do with me being in ministry. It has to do with me being in covenant. Because uh, there's a lot of ministers out there who feel that they're exempt from giving. Because I'm already giving to the Lord. What are you giving to the Lord? What are you giving to the Lord? I'm giving my time. We all are. What are you giving to the Lord? You receive, the, you receive from Him a calling and you just, it's your privilege and honor to serve the Lord in, in your calling. What are you really giving? You're only giving back to Him what you've received from Him. Well, my gift, my talent. Where did you get it from? Is it really your gift, your talent, or His gift, His talent working through you? Your gift and your talent needs to honor the Lord. Not honor yourself. Amen. So even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron, who was a human, mortal. For the priesthood being changed, so now there's a change in the priesthood. That's why we no longer need Levitical priests. Amen. I don't need to come out here dressed like a priest, pretending to be some priest. Be called father, but dressed like a mother. <laughs> because I'm wearing jeans and a shirt, people may not... People have a religious mindset. They don't take it seriously like I could be a minister. I have to wear some robe, some special robe to be a minister. But I've already been clothed with power from on high. 
So we don't have the Old Testament priesthood, Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood in effect today. We have the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And actually, we are all priests, but I'll get to that. We are a royal priesthood. Because we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Melchizedek lives in us. And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So if perfection was to be through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Amen. So there's a change. And that's why the book of Hebrews was written to help these Jews who come from under the Mosaic covenant into the new covenant to alter their mindset, understand the change, the transition that has taken place. You see, even today in the church world, you got Christians that have never understood and made the change. They take a little bit of the old covenant, a little bit of the new covenant, mix it together and make up their own covenant. And people are confused. So what does it mean that we're no longer under the law? It doesn't mean we're lawless. That means we're no longer under the Mosaic Covenant. That's what that means. People, people misunderstand that we're no longer under the law. Okay, so I can do whatever I want. No, that's not what it's saying. We're still under the law of God. The Ten Commandments are still in effect. Even the New, New Testament says don't lie, don't cheat, don't murder, don't, you know, covet. It, it's pretty simple. That's morality. That's the moral code, moral law. The moral law is still in effect, but the ceremonial law and all the feasts of the Old Testament and all the other stuff, that's no longer in effect today. A Christian does not need to be celebrating the, 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 the feasts like the Jews would celebrate the feasts because they're all fulfilled in Christ. So we are actually celebrating, a fe we're celebrating the, the feast of Passover today because we're all saved. We're celebrating the feast of Pentecost today because we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Brandalaba. Pastor, should we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost? Yes. I just celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. Hallelujah. And then there's yet one, one feast to be fulfilled. That is the Feast of Tabernacles, the ingathering. That'll be at the rapture. We'll celebrate Tabernacles when we're all raptured and tabernacled together. Dwell together with the Lord for in heaven. I mean, come on, somebody. At the, at the wedding supper of the Lamb, there will be a feast. Jesus said there will be a feast in heaven. So these are all types and shadows that are being fulfilled. Either have been fulfilled or will be fulfilled in this period. So the New Testament period started with Passover. Fulfilled through Pentecost. And will end with the Feast of Tabernacles. The ingathering. When all the believers and saints of all ages will gather together to meet the Lord in the air on the clouds. Hallelujah. That will be the greatest church service of all time. Final church service. It will be the last church service. Because it will be the end of the church age. Because the church age has a beginning. The church age has an end. That's what Jesus was talking about. And... The end of the age is not the end of the world. It's the end of the church age. When the church has to fulfill her assignment and get the heaven out of here. 
and it's very close. The rapture is imminent, it's closer than you realize, and we have to be ready for it. We have to be ready for the rapture, the catching away of the church. Hallelujah. So for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe for, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. In other words, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, not from the tribe of Levi. Amen. So he could not have been a Levitical priest. But at age 30, just as every priest, because priesthood began at age 30. You prepare till the age of 30, and then you entered into the priesthood. Well, Jesus at age 30 was called by the Father and anointed by the Holy Spirit into a different kind of priesthood. Not a Levitical priesthood. Priesthood in the order of Melchizedek. Because he has no beginning, he has no end. His priesthood is... His priesthood is eternal. Comes from eternity past, goes into eternity future. Amen. Hallelujah. So if Melchizedek is the one who received tithes, we're told that he still receives tithes today. That's what I'm trying to get to you. Watch this. Verse 15. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of the flesh, the commandment, so... Jesus didn't come as a priest under the Mosaic law because he was not a Levite. That's why he did not serve in the temple like all Levites would. Amen. He served outside of that order. Who has come not according to the law of the flesh, the commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former covenant because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Because it was, it was weak. It demanded righteousness, but it could not impart righteousness. And under the old covenant, there is none righteous. All are doomed. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But under the new covenant, we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is gifted under the new covenant. What an amazing we are gifted righteousness. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we're no longer trying to be righteous by works, which is self-righteousness. But we, are, we receive the righteousness of God. It's gifted to us. That's God's grace. That's a grace. That's grace. You have been gifted righteousness. If you're a born-again Christian, washed in the blood, you can say, I am righteous. Go ahead and say it. So what, is that, so what is that righteousness gives you? Boldness to come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace. You can come boldly. Not feeling ashamed, not feeling inferior, not feeling weak, not feeling unworthy. I was asked to come do a, a service at a Christian camp way back in Turkey years ago. And then one of the days that we're going to receive communion. So I got up, I taught on the communion taught on healing and we're going to receive communion and I noticed half the people were not receiving communion they all had their heads bowed down and then they were crying and 
And then one guy said, I said, sir, why aren't you uh, receiving communion? I just did an altar call. Why didn't you come and get saved? He goes, no, I'm already a Christian. I said, why aren't you receiving communion? He goes, because I'm not good enough. See, that's the mentality. And I, I, I spent an hour teaching to break it, but because he had been so raised up under religion, beat down by religion, under condemnation, he couldn't receive it. I'm not good enough to receive this. I've been a bad boy. We've all been bad boys and bad girls. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes you worthy. And again, that's just, that's a condemnation. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You have access to the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, who is Jesus, and the king of peace. He gives you peace. Your righteousness brings you into a place of peace, knowing that you have peace with God. You're not afraid of him. You're not afraid of judgment. You're not afraid of being beaten down. He loves you. He raises you up. He anoints you. He appoints you. He calls you. He empowers you. Hallelujah. He clothes you with glory from on high, power from on high. That's what it is. That's, it's, it's the, this is the good covenant. This is the better covenant. Why are you going back to a lower covenant when you have access to the better covenant, the higher covenant? So that's why I have to teach these things because you'd be surprised in a crowd like this, sitting in a church like this or watching, how many people don't have an understanding of these things and they live under condemnation. I'm teaching you these things to break condemnation off of your life because condemnation keeps you from moving forward, rising up in the authority of God and, and walking by faith to have all that God and, and, and appropriate all the, all the things that God has promised for you. Because condemnation will keep you from receiving. You'll think you're not good enough. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm just a worm. And that's religion. Beats people down. It's demonic. It's doctrines of devils. Hallelujah. You're a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there's an annulling of the former commandment because of his weakness and unprofitableness. Amen. That's what we're talking about. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. I like that. So everyone say better hope. <laughs> Through which we draw near to God. See, condemnation makes you want to go hide from God. I heard your voice and I hid in the garden. I was afraid. I heard your voice and I hid. I knew I was naked. Who told you you were naked? There's no hiding anymore. We don't hide. We draw near to him. We can come to the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. He loves you. He's merciful. He's kind. He's generous. He's good towards you. Hallelujah. He pours upon you his blessing, his love. Pours, out, pours upon you his Holy Spirit, anoints you, strengthens you. Hallelujah. You have hope. So we draw near to God. I do want to finish this chapter. And in as much as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have been priests without an oath. But he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek which is basically Psalm 110.4. Yes. 
by so much more Jesus has become a surety what is a surety a guarantee he's become a guarantee of a better stronger covenant agreement Amplify says a more excellent and more advantageous covenant We have a special privilege. That's why the Bible calls us a peculiar or special people. It's called the Christian privilege. Amen. You have a privilege. It's called the Christian privilege. What makes you think you're better than everybody else? Because um, I have a better covenant. I'm privileged. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the privilege, the authority to be children of God. I'm, I'm a child of the Most High. I am, I'm, I'm in covenant with God. I'm, I'm under a covenant of blessing. I'm highly favored. Amen. Hallelujah. You are highly favored. You're under a special covenant. You are special. You're different. That's why there's no need for you to run to Sodom. Hallelujah. Come and say this after him. I am privileged. I have the believer's privilege. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. Everything I put my hands to is blessed. The Lord opens to me. His heavenly treasure pours out upon me a surplus of prosperity. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. All my enemies that come against me shall be defeated before my face. And they shall flee from me in seven ways. I don't, if that's not privilege, I don't know what it is. If that's not being highly favored and blessed, my hallelujah. We have the believer's privilege. So... When the devil comes in the form of people speaking to you, because that's how he is, a forked tongue. Who do you think you are? You better let him know. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am highly favored and blessed. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I walk in power and authority. I lay hands on the sick, they recover. I speak with new tongues. I cast out devils. In the name of Jesus. So I'm trying to get you to understand your covenant rights and privileges. Hallelujah. Amen. Membership has its privileges. You're a member of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You're a part of the family of God. You have the family name. You've been named, <laughs> you've been named after your heavenly father. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. <laughs> they died. They were mortal men. They started at age 30 and they died. Whenever they died, it was over. They could not continue in their office. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. That is Jesus. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost 
Those who come to God through him. I like that. Saved to the uttermost. That means completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time in eternity. I don't think you heard that one. He's able to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time in eternity. Those who come to God through him. Since he's always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. That's what he's doing. Jesus is right now petitioning on your behalf. He's your advocate before the Father. He's making intercession for you. Hallelujah. He is for you, not against you. He's intervening. There's divine intervention. The favor of God, the privilege, gives you divine intervention. I decree and declare divine intervention over every situation and circumstance you're facing right now. When men have come against you, when the world has come against you, when the devil has come against you, there is divine intervention in the name of Jesus. What the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn for good. If God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. When you call out on the name of Jesus, there is divine intervention. He steps in to the middle of the storm. He calms the storm. He steps in to the middle of lack. Now there's an overflow. He steps into the middle of sickness and disease and healing manifests. The supernatural manifests. He steps into the midst of chaos and there's peace. Perfect peace, perfect peace. I will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace, he's the Prince of Peace. Come on, lift your hands. Lord, we thank you that the Prince of Peace is stepping into our circumstances right now. And our circumstances are subject to change. We decree and declare that every circumstance we face that is contrary to the Word of God, to the promise of God is subdued. It's under our feet. We decree and declare that every circumstance that doesn't line up with God's promises, God's Word, must change and must line up with God's Word, must line up with, with God's promises in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. For as such, a high priest was fitting for us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son appoints the Son of God who has been perfected forever. Hallelujah! Who knew sound doctrine could be so exciting, so empowering? The church world has gotten away from teaching sound doctrine. Doctrine is powerful. Doctrine, teaching. Sound teaching empowers you. Sound teaching. How many of you, something happened today and you, and you've, you realized condemnation broke off of you? You lived, on, you lived under condemnation. The enemy used it to beat you up. 
And that, there's that voice that always telling you, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. He's a liar. The devil's a liar. You are worthy. He's made you worthy. You are worthy. He loves you. You've been accepted into the beloved. You're not rejected. You're accepted. Welcome into the family of God. You're a child of the Most High. You've been blessed. You've been blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.